Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Okay, Mark chapter 11. I'm running out of time already. Mark chapter 11, are you there? All right, let's read this, beginning in verse 1. It says this, They approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and uh, Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Because I want you to untie it, and I want you to bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, well, the Lord, he needs it, and he'll send it back here shortly. Verse 4 says, then they went and they found a colt outside in the street tied at a doorway and they untied it. And some people standing there asked, hey, what are you doing untying that colt? And they answered, well, Jesus had told them to. They answered what Jesus had told them to and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. And it says, many people started spreading their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Come on, can anybody say Hosanna in the highest heaven today? Out of those 10 verses, I want to share a message with you this morning that I've titled The Power of Passion. The power of passion. I want you to write that down if you're taking notes, whether it's on a cell phone or a notepad. We just don't want our Sunday Sunday to be blessed. How many know throughout the week, sometimes we need to go back and remember what we learned in church. And so I hope you're taking notes. If you're here for the first or second time, we're glad you're in the house. I'm glad that you're here at Calvary. I pray that you realize this is more than just a building, a structure, more than just for walls. It's, it's really a family. We're not perfect, but we're following the perfect one named Jesus. And uh, we don't have it all together, but we trust the one who holds it all together. Can I get an amen? And we're just glad that you're joining us on a weekend like this, and uh, we're glad you're in the house. I'm believing God has amazing plans for your life. I'm believing he has plans and purposes that you never dreamed or imagined, but he loves you. And uh, more than anything, I'm believing that he brought you here today just to tell you that he loves you. And if this is your first or second time and you're doubting God's love for you because of whatever's happened on in your life, can I tell you, God loves you. Amen? I know some people... That to them, it's a foreign concept. How can God love me because of where I'm at or because of what I've done? But I pray my prayer today is that you will walk away from this place today, knowing that there's a God in heaven who is in love with you. Amen? Come on, let's close our eyes, bow our head, and ask God to bless this time. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this moment. We thank you, God, that you're in this place. Thank you for a day like today, Palm Sunday, God, where we're going to look at the meaning of what that meant, God, as you were entering the city of Jerusalem. God, we pray that you may have your way in this place, in this space, God. God, I pray that you would lift up those who are heavy burdened. Open up the eyes of those who can't see you, God, that they will realize there's hope and there's grace always in Jesus, God. We thank you. We love you. Thank you for this community, Calvary, for this family, God. We pray that you would do amazing things. We already pray for Easter weekend, God. We're believing for the biggest harvest we've ever seen, God. Souls to come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Some of us family members, uncles, aunts, cousins, family, brother, sister that we're inviting and believing, God, that you're going to bring them and you're going to do something radical in their life, God. We thank you ahead of time. And it's in your name that we pray. All God's people say. Oh, come on. All God's people say. 11 a.m., can you give God a big, big shout of praise? Come on, come on. If, if you know me, you know I have a love and hate relationship with the gym. Anybody in here, can you relate? You have a love 
Anybody in here love working out? I mean, you're just passionate about working out. Okay, we're praying for you as you pray for us. I know there's a group right here. That's, that's your passion. But, but I have a love and hate relationship with the gym. But this year, we've decided to say, you know what? This is the year we're going to get super healthy. We're going to eat clean, eat clean, train dirty, whatever that means. But we're, this is the year we're going to do it, right? And uh, we've been trying for the last couple of years. Just pray for us. It's our struggle. you got your own struggle. I'll pray for you. But... Um, <laughs> So we've been doing it. So the, the other day I went with, to the gym with a friend, and uh, we went to the gym, and he, was, he said, I'm going to put you through a, a core circuit workout. That alone sounds like I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm not, I'm not going in there. And uh, a core circuit workout. And he said, I'm going to set up four stations. He set up four different stations. He said, on the first station, we're going to do some dips, and we're going to do 30 dips. Now, mind you, I can't even do one dip, okay? I needed the help of the little machine. I really did. Don't judge me. Don't laugh either. And uh, 30 dips. After you're done with 30 dips, then I want you to go to the, to the back machine, whatever it is for your back. I don't even know the names, okay? So and I want you to do 30 exercises of that. And I'm like, okay. After that, I want you to do squats. And I want you to do 30 squats. And I'm like, okay. And... Um, <laughs> After 30 squats, I want you to do some push-ups. And I'm like, okay. After that, he added a fifth exercise to his little circuit, whatever much I'm going to call it. And I was just like, oh, my God, this sounds intense. Now, just as he was naming everything and he started showing me everything, it just looked, it just looked confusing. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it just looked like, well, this is too much. I'm just going to jump on the treadmill. I'll walk for like five, ten minutes. I'm going to be okay. And then uh, I'll, just I'll jump in the sauna. Anybody enjoy the sauna? Come on. That's a good workout right there. And... Uh, because it's not complicated, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, I just sit there and sweat. I just sit there and sweat. And, uh, but the, the workouts, <laughs> the, the, workout, the workouts just sounded complicated and intense. Anybody don't, and is there anybody here who, who does, you just walk away from complicated stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I, me, as I was thinking about the workouts, I just said, I'm going to throw up my breakfast, lunch, and dinner right here. Like, this sounds too crazy. And you know what I've noticed? Humanity has a tendency to get away and walk away from complicated things. We don't like complicated things. Let's be honest. As soon as something gets a little bit chaotic, as soon as something gets a little bit complicated, we're like, oh, wait a minute. I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of this. This is tough. Facebook has an option for your relationship. It's complicated. <laughs> and we're like, oh, hey, how you doing? Right now, it's complicated. It's complicated. And we tend to jump out of things that are complicated. But can I tell you today, I love this. We serve a God who is not afraid of complicated issues, who is not afraid of chaotic issues. He actually steps into the mess. He steps into the complicated areas of our life because he loves us that much. God is not afraid of complications. He steps into complications. God is not afraid of anything that's a little bit too hard or a little bit too messy. Actually, this is what the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 32. He says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is there anything too hard for me? He says, is there anything too difficult for me? Does anybody love God? Come on. He says, is there anything too difficult? Are you serious? He says, I'll do a circuit workout and more. Like, there ain't nothing too difficult for me. And maybe you're in here saying, Alex, but not, not my situation. My situation is a little bit too complicated. My situation is a little bit too complex. I mean, if you only knew my relationship, if you only knew what my marriage looked like right now, if you only knew how difficult my kids were reacting, if you only knew how bad my business was going, how bad my finances are going, I don't think there's anything that God can do in this thing. Can I tell you, nothing is too difficult for God. Nothing is too hard for God. He will step right in. In the middle of it he can fix it he's the hope he's the grace he's the answer God is not shocked or afraid by our chaos God doesn't stay away from it he actually steps into it 
And if you came in here today with a complicated situation, I want to tell you that God wants to step into your situation this morning. You are not here by coincidence. You're not here by random chance of events. You're not here because somebody invited you. You're not here because you woke up this morning and decided to come to church. You're here because God brought you and he wants to tell you that he wants to step into your life. He wants to do a miracle in your life. He wants to do something awesome in your life. Come on, is anybody glad that we serve a God who steps into our life? God wants to step in. God wants to step into our lives. And if you're here today and you're saying, but my situation, it is impossible. What we say around here is impossible is all you need for a miracle. It's the main ingredient you need. And God loves to step into impossibilities and chaos situations. Mark chapter 11, what we just read, what is known as Palm Sunday. Jesus is entering into Jerusalem. We just read 10 verses where Jesus is actually walking into the city of Jerusalem. I want to give you a little bit of context to the text that we just read. I want to give you a little bit of information. This is not such a nice scene as it looks. It looks nice. It reads nice. But can I tell you, it was actually a very chaotic moment that he was stepping into. And Jesus is not afraid to step into it. He's going to a city of Jerusalem that was celebrating Passover. Passover is a big festival where they, everybody gets together. The Jewish people get together and they, they celebrate what God did under Moses. Under Moses, God sent plagues over to Egypt. And the last one was the one of death. And the people who had the blood of the lamb on the doorpost actually got saved from death. And so they're celebrating the Passover of death over their lives because of the blood of the lamb that they sacrificed. How crazy is that they're celebrating the blood of the lamb when Jesus, who is the lamb, is walking into the scene? I mean, this is just amazing. The lamb that was slain before all foundation is walking into the scene. So it's a big celebration. All these Jewish people would gather in Jerusalem to celebrate. A town that usually had anywhere between 50,000 to 100,000 people. During this time, they say approximately had half a million to two million people now in Jerusalem. In other words, the streets were packed. I mean, the, the, the city was in chaos. There was party. There was animals being sold everywhere for sacrifice. I mean, this looked like Cayocho on steroids. I mean, this thing was, was bad. <laughs> and, and if you're the type of person that you don't like people touching you or anybody in here you don't like crowds, you know what I'm saying? Like, too bad. This was it. Like, you're, you're there. You're in the middle of this thing. And Jesus is stepping into this massive crowd. I'm talking about maybe up to two million people. And this is crazy and chaotic. And Jesus is now approaching Jerusalem and he knows what he's about to go into. Not only is it crazy and chaotic because of what's happening, it's also crazy and chaotic because of the political climate. How many know that politics can get messy? I think we, we witnessed that in America the last couple of months. Politics can get crazy. And the people of Israel, they wanted a new leader. They were tired of being under the Roman Empire. And they wanted a new political leader. They wanted a new king. And some people have started seeing Jesus as a possible candidate. And they thought, wait, this could be the Messiah. This could be our king. This could be our ruler. And so as soon as they hear that Jesus is coming into town, they begin to go crazy. I mean, the whole entire city. The Bible says that it was stirred up when Jesus walked into town. And they started approaching Jesus. I mean, this is chaos on top of chaos. And what, what is interesting about this is that Jesus, he chose to go into Jerusalem during this time. I want you to understand something. Today, I'm going to take a little bit of time just to try to teach you a little bit about what I think this is crazy, what's going on in Jesus' mind. He knows the time. He knows the temperature. He knows what's going on in Jerusalem, and yet he decides on his own will to step into Jerusalem. What, what I noticed about Jesus is that Jesus was obedient. Jesus was so passionate about you and I that he chose to obey God the Father, knowing that entering Jerusalem was going to end ugly on Friday. 
Because today we're celebrating Palm Sunday, but how many know Good Friday's around the corner? So, so he, was, he was going into a city where he knew exactly what was waiting on the other side. I want to talk to you about, number one, the path of obedience. The path of obedience. How many know the path isn't always easy, but the payoff is always going to be great? Obedience is not an easy thing. Jesus had a tough journey ahead of him. Oh, it sounds pretty. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, there's this festival going on. People are praising Jesus. Hey, he might be our next uh, leader. Everybody's celebrating. They have posters of Jesus. I mean, they're all holding up little kids. I have little, you know, mannequins of him, and they're running around little dolls. Jesus, Jesus, he's our leader. Jesus, Jesus, yes, he can. I mean, this is awesome. Everybody's celebrating Jesus. But Jesus knew that he wasn't just entering a city. He was preparing for an exit on Friday. Jesus was being hailed as king on Sunday, yet he was going to be charged as a criminal on Friday. It wasn't an easy thing, and Jesus knew exactly what he was stepping into. Can we be obedient regardless of the situation that God steps us, puts us in? Uh, maybe there's a situation today that God is asking you to step into. Maybe God has you on a certain path of your life, and you're saying, Alex, I don't understand this path. You know why sometimes we don't like the, the path that God puts us in? Because sometimes it includes a little bit of suffering and a little bit of pain. And we're like, God, uh, I want to be obedient, but uh, this path doesn't look so nice. I'll take the other path, God. Because temporary pain, I mean, I, I just don't understand it. I don't like it. God, I don't understand what you're doing in this thing. This path is not an easy one. This path is not a clear one. But can I tell you today that we don't have to understand the path to trust the one who plans the path. I mean, I mean you don't have to understand it all. We don't have to know the whole picture. Obedience is not knowing the end. Obedience is trusting God at the beginning. If you can trust God with the steps that you're taking now, you can trust God with where he's going to take you later. Jesus knew what was waiting on Friday. Jesus knew it was going to be a tough week. Jesus knew there was going to be betrayal. Jesus knew there was going to be shame. But yet he chose the path of obedience. Can I tell you today, obedience is always better. Obedience, can you say that with me? Obedience is always better. I know three people just said it with me. Can we all say it? Obedience is always better. Obedience is always better. I know we don't like obedience. I know we don't like to hear that. But can I tell you that the results of obedience will always be better than the results of rebellion. The results of obedience will always be better than the results of rebellion. You will always gain more by obedience than opposing. Always. You don't believe me? Growing up, you oppose your parents, you were either going to get chancleta or un fajaso. <laughs> opposing always came with bad news. But obeying always ended up in the good end. How much more obeying the God who loves us, obeying the God who has us in the palm of his hands, obeying the Father, obeying the one who's in love with us. Come on, I know it may be difficult, but how many know he has greater plans? It may be hard, but he's in love with us. Come on, is anybody trusting God the Father with your life? So obeying will always gain you more than opposing. God wants obedience from his people the same way that Jesus was obedient. No matter what the path is. Oh, well, but sometimes obedience is hard. So what I'll do is, I don't know if I'll obey him all the time, but, I, you know, I'll just serve God. I'll just do some things. I come to church on Sunday. You know what we usually do? We, we separate obedience, and what we like to do is just give God some acts. Give God some sacrifice. But how many know that obedience is greater than sacrifice? First Samuel. This is what the Bible says in the book of First Samuel. 
chapter 15, verse 22. It says, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? He says this, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. In other words, we can come to church all we want. We can give a dollar during offering. We could do whatever. But if you're just using a checklist, that's not what God wants. God wants obedience of the heart. Jesus was obedient no matter what. You know what I love about Jesus? Jesus knew what was in front of him, and yet he chose to go forward. The Bible says that he set his face. Luke chapter 9, it says that Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. In other words, he was a man who had the mission in front of him. He was passionate about humanity, and no matter what the path was going to be in front of him, he chose to go forward with it. Are you that passionate about what God has called you to do in your family, in your marriage, in your business, that you can say, you know what, the path ahead may be difficult, but I'm going to set my face to trust him. I'll go toward the cross of denial. I'll deny my flesh if I have to, but I'll go through it if I have to. He knew what was going to happen. He knew they were going to crucify him, kill him, and murder him. But this is why he says in John chapter 10, he says, oh, they're not going to kill me. He says, it's not that they're going to murder me. He says, I lay down my life willingly. I'm going to lay down my life willingly. He was obedient till death, the Bible says. He's entering Jerusalem, stepping into a complicated situation, knowing what was at the end. He told his disciples, oh, you have no idea what's waiting on the other side. Luke chapter 18, he says, oh, I'm going to be handed over to the Gentiles, and they'll mock him, insult him, and spit on him. Here they were going to treat him, flog him, and kill him, and on the third day he will rise again. He prepared them beforehand. He said, oh, I know I'm going to choose this path. and You have no idea what I'm going to be facing, but yet I choose to go forward with this thing. How many of us can we be obedient to what God is calling us? It's not easy. Come on, some of us will be lying if we say, yeah, I obey God all the time. It's not easy. It's not easy, but the path of obedience is always better. And here he's been trying to tell his disciples for weeks, maybe even months, what was ahead. And they never got it. He was always trying to prepare them ahead of time. He's saying, you have no idea. We're going into Jerusalem. And they thought they were going into Jerusalem to overtake the Roman Empire, kick them out. They thought Jesus was going to build a palace and set up a throne and he was going to sit down. In fact, on the way to Jerusalem, some of them started arguing about who's going to sit to the right or to the left of Jesus. This is what they're thinking. They wanted a temporary king when Jesus was the eternal king. How many times do we separate the eternal from the temporary? We'd rather have temporary satisfaction instead of an eternal win. Jesus knew that a temporary loss was really an eternal gain. Oh, I may die on Friday, but how many know next Sunday is coming? He will rise again. He didn't stay in the grave. But what nobody wants to do is nobody wants to go through the process of pain. Nobody wants to go through the process. Number two, I want to talk to you about the process, the process of preparation. The process might be obscure, but the product is always better. Nobody wants to go through a process. Jesus is trying to take his disciples through a process. Jesus himself has been going through a process in his life. He's been preparing himself for this moment. Three years of ministry, 33 years on earth. And here he is at the climax moment where he's going into Jerusalem, knowing that what he's about to step into is going to cost him his life. And not only his life, those that follow. And here he's been trying to prepare them for such a long time. Preparation is key, but nobody likes the path of preparation. Uh, I, I like everything else, but don't talk to me about, you know, a process. A process? Come on, are you serious? We can't even wait for a minute to be over in the microwave. We pop it open. Like, nobody likes to wait on anything. We all want a six-pack, but we don't want to go to the gym or work out for the six-pack. 
Nobody likes process anymore. And here he's been trying to tell them about a process. And all the disciples do is complain, argue, and fight on who's going to sit to the right and who's going to sit to the left. In Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is, is telling the disciples everything that's going to happen. He's saying, hey, we're going to go to Jerusalem in a couple weeks. And when I go to Jerusalem, they're, they're actually going to betray me and I'm going to be crucified and die. But don't you worry, three days later, I'm going to, I'm going to resurrect. And Peter always, big mouth Peter. Peter actually says in Matthew chapter 16, Peter says, never. That's what he tells Jesus. Never, never will that happen to you. Peter? Aren't we the same way? We always respond to God a certain way. God always tells us a plan and a will that he has for our life. And we're like, never. Hey, I want you to work on your marriage. It's not going to end in divorce. I'm actually going to work a miracle in it. Never. He's too hard-headed, God. (laughs) Nobody likes the process that God wants to take us through. He says, never. The Bible says that Jesus responds, Satan, get behind me. Every time there's an opportunity for God to, get, to put you through a process for greatness, there's always going to be a temptation to skip the process. Every single time. God wants to put you through a process. The disciples wanted greatness right now. The disciples wanted glory right now. The disciples wanted power right now. And Jesus says it doesn't come right now. First, you have to go through a process. In order for greatness to take place, the process has to happen. God wants to do something great in your marriage. God wants to do something great in your life. God wants to do something great for the rest of your life. If you can trust him with your life, if you can trust him with your heart, but first you must go through a process, and that process might be dying to self because that's what he calls us for. He's entering to Jerusalem, but the process ahead, it is not going to be easy. Right before he goes into Jerusalem, he sends two disciples. He says, hey, there's going to be a donkey around the corner. His name is Eeyore. He's great. He's awesome. He goes, I want you to grab the donkey. Yo, I want you to grab the donkey. I prepared it. In fact, it's going to be tied up, and it's, it's a donkey that's never been written. I love that how the Bible goes into details. The donkey ha- was separated for a task. You ever feel like you're being overlooked or you feel like God has forgotten you? Maybe God hasn't forgotten you. Maybe that feeling of overlooked is really just a separation for a task. God has been preparing you for a moment. Maybe for a moment he has you tied up in a certain situation. That's because there's greatness over your life. That's because God wants to do something awesome in your life. And for a season, he has to hold you off to the side. And what we think is God ignoring us is really God preparing us. The donkey's never been ridden on. The donkey was tied up to the side. It was separated. A lot of times before God does something great in your life, he has to separate you for a little while. The donkey had no idea that it was about to carry the Savior of humanity on his back into, the, into Jerusalem. Just tied up. Eeyore was there chilling, waiting. How many times, God, have you forgotten about me? Maybe it's not that he's forgotten about you. He has you through a process. Maybe right now God has us in a process. Maybe he has you and your wife, your kids. Maybe he's just taking you through a process, and we hate process. Take me out of this process. But he's just preparing you for something great. Jesus had to go through a process. And the process didn't make sense. The process might be obscure. But how many know that if you go through a process, the product is always going to be greater? Let your marriage go through a process. Let your life go through a process. Let God guide you and take you step by step. Because the product is always going to be greater on the other side. Jesus says, I may get betrayed, I may be crucified. It's going to be grueling. The Bible says that you couldn't notice Jesus. That's how much they beat him, flogged him. But he says, once I go through that process, it's going to be painful. But the product, when I resurrect in glory on Sunday morning, oh my God, you won't believe what your eyes are going to see because the product is always going to be greater on the other side. 
So we're going to celebrate next Sunday. I hope you're ready. Jesus comes into Jerusalem. He's stepping into a chaotic mess politically. He's stepping into a chaotic mess because of the city, because of the crowds, because of what the people understand. Here they're yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's Palm Sunday. It kicked off what we call Passion Week. They were yelling, Hosanna. Hosanna actually means save us. But understand what they wanted saving from was not what Jesus actually came to save them from. They wanted a political leader. They wanted a temporary king. They wanted a king to take out Rome. And the king had come to take out sin. The problem was never Rome. The problem was never Rome. The problem was the sin in our heart. You know what the, this Palm Sunday, what it gives me a picture of? Us having our plans and God having his plans. We, have all, we always have our own plans. We always come up with our own ideas and we say, God, if you would just look at my journal, look at my ideas, I think it's actually pretty good, God. Look what I wrote down. And here are the people of God, they had their own plans, they had their own will. And God's like, if you only understood my will. The same way that Jesus could have chosen his own will. How many know that Friday he was in a garden where he was sweating and he asked God the Father, if you can take this cup from me, remove it from me. We're going to talk about that Friday. This is, this is difficult. But he said, Let not my will be done, your will be done. There's going to be passion in our lives. It comes with surrender. That's number three to finalize. The pain of surrender. The pain may be difficult, but how many know the power will always be greater? Some of us in here today, Jesus is calling us to take the same path that he did, to go through the same process that he did, and to surrender like he did. Maybe today you need to surrender something in your life. Maybe today you need to surrender an area of your life. I don't know what it is, but the people of God needed to surrender their plans for his plan. Oh, we want a king. Hosanna, save us right now. He's like, I'm not going to save you right now. I'm actually saving your soul. You want temporary saving. I'm here to give you eternal salvation. Lay down your own plans. Lay down your own will. Maybe somebody in here today, you've been following your own will. You've been following your own path. You've been coming up with your own plans, and you got it all dotted, all drawn out. And you say, this is going to be the path of my life, and I know where I'm going. Don't worry. I got my 5, 10, 15-year-old plan, all that. That's great. But guess what? If it's not God's will, we need to surrender it. Amen. Well, I love this guy. This is my relationship. This is, this is who I'm going to marry. This is the girl I'm going to marry. This guy I'm going to... What about if that's not what God has for you? Can you surrender it? Well, this is the business plan I have. This is what I want to do with my money. It's my money. It's my money. What about if that's not God's plan for your money? What about if he has a different plan? Can you surrender that to God? All surrendering comes with pain. Oh, come on. Jesus went through some serious pain this upcoming week. But he was laying down his own plan for his father's plan. How many of us in here can say, God, I'm going to choose to be obedient. I'm going to choose to go through a process. And I'm going to choose to surrender my will. When we do something special happens. Because the people all had their own plans. And they were here waving palm branches and throwing them down at his feet. And he said, oh, if you only know, this is temporary. Oh, one day, one day the king is going to come, the real king. I'm going to come. I come as a donkey just to fulfill Old Testament prophecy in Zechariah chapter 9. It says that the king was going to come. The savior was going to come riding on a donkey in all humility. And Jesus, what he was doing, he was fulfilling, fulfilling prophecy. And he says, but one day, he's not going to come on a donkey. He's going to come on a white horse. 
And one day, it's not only some that are going to scream Hosanna. One day, it's going to be every single nation, every single tongue, every single tribe that's going to say, Hosanna, he is the king. He's not just the king. He's the king of kings. He's not just the savior. He's the savior of all humanity. He's not just a little hope. He's the hope of humanity. He's not just temporary. He's eternal. Come on. He's the one that is. He's the one that was. He's the one that will be. This Palm Sunday, Jesus was passionate. Jesus came to lay down his life so that you and I can lift up our head and realize how much he loves us. If you can stand up on your feet, we'll finish off with this. Revelation chapter 7. This is the day that we're awaiting. Revelation chapter 7. It says, I looked. This is John writing. The disciple John later on gets a vision. He says, I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number. Of all the nations, tribes, people, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. It says, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. He says, and cried out with a loud voice, saying, salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Come on. How many know one day we are going to have some palm branches? One day we are going to be crying out loud, but it's to the resurrected Jesus who's alive today. And it's not going to be temporary. It's going to be eternal. Jesus was passionate for humanity that he chose obedience, process, and surrender. He stepped into a complicated mess. I don't know what God is asking us today. I know he's asking things of our lives. Maybe he's asking something in your life with every eye closed and every head bowed. If you're in here today, maybe it's your first, second, third time in church, or maybe you've been coming for a while and you say, Alex, I'm far from God. I don't know this God. Maybe somebody invited you for the first time. Or maybe you say, you know what, I've actually grown up in church, but I really don't have a relationship with God. I, I know I'm distant. I know I've been following my own plans. We all have been following our own plans. We've all been doing whatever we wanted, and it's led us into sin. And the Bible says that sin separates us from God. The Bible says for all have sinned. You and I, we've sinned. Nobody in here is perfect. We've all sinned and failed God in one way or another. Sin comes to separate, but Jesus came so that when sin came to destroy, Jesus came to make whole. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whosoever believes in him will not die but have everlasting life. The problem is sin. We're all looking for temporary solutions, but there's really only one eternal answer, and his name is Jesus. With every eye closed, every head bowed, as the church is praying for privacy and concentration. If you're in here and you're saying, Alex, that's me. I've been following my own plans. I've been following my own path. I've been trying to do whatever I can in my life, but I realize I need to surrender to him, and I need to have a relationship with God. Friend, I want to tell you today that he loves you so much. I want to tell you that God is not mad at you. God is not upset. Maybe you're saying, yeah, but you have no idea what I've done, Alex. You have no idea what I did yesterday. You have no idea what I did last week. And I tell you, God does not care. God knows the details of your life, and he loves you still. We serve a God of grace, a God of forgiveness, a God of love. We couldn't get to God, so God came down to us. Even on your best day, there's no way you can have a relationship with God. It's all through grace. I believe that God is here today, and he's offering forgiveness he's offering you life in a moment i'm going to count to three and when i count to three some hands are going to go up i believe across this auditorium you're saying i need a relationship with god i want to start brand new today i want forgiveness of my sins you can raise your hand just for just for a few seconds i'm going to see you 
acknowledge you, and then you can put it right back down. I'm not going to embarrass you or put you on the spot. But you're saying, Alex, today I want to start brand new. I want Jesus to come into my life. Some hands are already going up. If that's you, at the count of three, I want you to raise it up. One, two, three. As high as you can. As high as you can. As high as you can. As high. Come on, hold it up. Hold it up. Amazing, amazing, amazing. God bless you. 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 Amazing. Good move. God bless you. God bless you. Amazing, amazing. Hands up everywhere. Come on. If you're saying today, I need to make a decision. I'm following Jesus. Awesome. Good move. Anybody else, it's the best decision that you could do with your life. All of you who raise your hand, I'm going to say a simple prayer. And I want you to repeat this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart. I believe that God is here. And I believe that today you can start life brand new with Jesus. Doesn't mean it's going to be perfect, but it means you have a Savior. You have forgiveness of sins. And today you start a relationship with the God who loves you. All of you who raise your hand, in fact, the whole church, I want us all to repeat this out loud. Say this with all you got. I want you to say, Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God, that you died for my sins. And on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life. Tell him, Jesus, be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I am forgiven. I am saved. I am healed, and I'll follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church, can we put our hands together? We hope today's message has encouraged you. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel or visit us at calvaryconnect.com for more information. Till next time.